Good evening, and the Lord be with you all. And let me remind you, probably for the last time, that I will be in Albuquerque in the New Life Church uh, just in a few days, August the 10th, which is Friday evening, and then right through Sunday morning, all day, well, Saturday morning, Saturday evening. And do I need to say again, it would be wonderful just to see your face and to be able to speak eye to eye. Okay, I want to continue, maybe finish up with this, what I have been saying in the last two weeks about the blessing that we took so long on, but the last two weeks I've been speaking of the blessing in days of adversity, days when we're pressured, days when it's darkness all around us and confusion and hurt and pain. Where's, where's the blessing then? And I hope that what I've said has helped you somewhat. Now, I want to look at Philippians in chapter 4. Philippians and chapter 4, verses 11 through 14. Let me read it. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Uh, many people know that last verse and um, ha have used it sometimes uh, to come to what it doesn't mean. But we, we'll put the whole thing in context. Um, Paul is writing this from jail. If you go to the epistles, um, many of them were written from jail, where Paul was imprisoned because of the gospel. They were living in the days of mounting um, tribulation, mounting persecution, and Paul was imprisoned for the gospel. And so he writes to these people in Philippi, and how that church began is in Acts chapter 16 and makes great reading. And they were a very enthusiastic church. They were overflowing with joy and with life. And as Paul began to travel around uh, the Macedonian area, then down into Athens, uh, these, these people in Philippi said, we are part of what Paul is saying. Not only did his message transform our lives, but we, we are part of that as it's now being given. And so uh, we will to invest in what Paul is doing. And so Philippi, they became what today we would call partners. Actually, I say today, it's in Philippine, the, the epistle. He calls them his partners. They, they were those who contributed to him. And they were undergirding him in what he did so that he had money to do what he did. And it was from this particular epistle, the whole letter that Paul is writing basically to those who partnered with him in the ministry. That's how we began the partnership of many of you with us that this message has not only transformed your life, you now invest in it to send it to the ends of the earth. And there's a special relationship between partners, those who are the givers and the prayers and those who are the goers, those who are the senders and the sent. Well, Paul was writing to his partners. And it's, it's well to remember that as you read the epistle to the Philippians. But now uh, they have sent him uh, a love offering and the, the pastor of the church in Philippi has brought it of course there was no instant transactions you couldn't send money any other way than by hand 
And so the pastor of the church there comes and brings the money to Paul as he's in prison. And he writes this letter back as a thank you, plus everything else he said. Now, think about that just for a moment. I don't want to dwell on it. But natural disposition of Paul is a very interesting fellow. Uh, if you look at Paul, if you study Paul from when we begin to know him back there in the earliest chapters of the Acts of the Apostles, when he was Saul of Tarsus, the great persecutor of the church, everything that comes through with what he said, um, he, he was a very impatient person. Uh, he was very aggressive. He was the know-it-all. He, he knew it, it was right, and therefore if you don't agree with me, get out of my way. And, and he carried that attitude even to the high priest and, and basically said, high priest, you are not getting rid of all these Christians, so I'll do it for you. And that's why he was on the road to Damascus. Uh, today we would say he had a choleric uh, temperament. He, he was not only a leader, but he was an oppressive leader. He was always out in front. He was always demanding things done now. Okay, that was Paul, naturally speaking. But, of course, in meeting Jesus, tremendous transformation and that same temperament now indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But for all that, that is his disposition. And so here he is, locked up in jail. And from the first chapter of Philippians, he didn't know if he was going to be executed or not. And so here he is, confined in a very small space. And this man, who is used to go and do and nothing stands in my way, if left to his natural self, well, we would expect some, at least, uh, expression of cabin fever. The man is in a jail, not only in a jail, but he's chained to Roman soldiers. There's no privacy here. He, he, everything he does is right in the face of the guards that are chained to him. You, you would expect uh, some form of depression, uh, some form, uh, certainly frustration that he's locked up here like a rabbit in a cage. And that which is his life work to go to the ends of the Roman world with the gospel. And now he's locked up in this little space and his life work has been brought to a halt. And why is he there? Because of lies that had been spoken about him, harassment of his enemies that had brought him into contact with the Roman authorities. Or if you were with us last week, he was here because of those thorns that continually harassed him. And here he is in jail. But, and we could be asking, if we're honest, uh, where's the blessing in all of this? Come on, be honest. This man locked up, confined, and... and, and I mean, they've basically thrown away the key, and maybe if the emperor is in a bad mood, he'll have him executed. Where is the blessing of God in all of this? That's the great question. And yet, um, if you read through Philippians, it is the most joyous book in the New Testament. From this jail, he writes to the Philippians and says, Rejoice! And again I say, Rejoice! And even when he speaks of his execution possibly coming up, he says, I, I can't make up my mind whether to remain with you, which I suppose is far better for you, or to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. And then he speaks of his enemies. And he says, they're, they're all talking about the gospel that I preach. Well, I will rejoice, even though they're not doing it from a good motive. Christ is being preached anyway. Uh, such an attitude, disposition comes through this letter. Now, at the end of the letter, he sort of remembers why he's writing it and thanks them for the love offering that they sent. 
but he immediately goes to this section that we're looking at and he is saying and I'll paraphrase but he said I, I thank you so much for the offering thank you but I, I wouldn't want you to think that it is your offering that buoyed my spirits and caused me to be filled with such rejoicing he said I deeply appreciate the offering but that offering has nothing to do with the depth and core of my being that now overflows with joy that belongs something else and he says that the gift cannot strengthen him any more than no gift has anything to do with what he is experiencing inside he has a strength within him he says that has nothing to do with a gift or no gift anything that happens out here on the periphery the outer person has nothing to do with the strength that he experiences within him he said fact is I, I've learned something I, I a secret a secret and this an unusual term that he uses he said a secret has been taught to me and that secret enables me to live in perfect contentment whatever situation I find myself in whatever my outer circumstances they have no power over my inner person where I live in contentment because of this secret that I have learned it, it is a contentment that is so deep no gift that you or anybody else could ever send me they couldn't buy this contentment and even when people forget I exist the contentment is still there now when I when I look at that then I, I begin to really get interested this is this is something uh, a contentment that has nothing to do with my outer circumstances whether I have money or no money whether I have an abundance of possessions or very few that has nothing to do with my core person that lives in this what he calls contentment now he speaks uh, twice actually of this learning he said I've learned to be content and then a couple of words or so later he says I, I learned the secret these are two big words um, learned learned the the word learn and you'll find it in scripture um, and every time it's used it's an interesting context because the word means that you've been taught well of course that's what it means in everyday English but it means that you have been as a disciple or as a student you have been taught directly that is you didn't get this by hearsay you, you didn't hear a rumor about this you were taught directly and you were instructed by God so God by his Holy Spirit has instructed you and it wasn't sort of a Shazam and you just know it no the word is taught and so the word taught also means that the teaching continues until you become comfortable and accustomed to that which you've learned so as I say it isn't something that is a flash in the pan it isn't that you uh, hear someone speak or read a book or go to a convention and, and wow you've got something and then by next week you've forgotten it this is a learning so that it comes to your center it comes to your heart it comes to the word I like to use sometimes the core of your being and you you become comfortable with it you've learned it you've learned it and having learned it you now are accustomed to this is the way that life works I, I've learned this and I've entered into it 
it has become mine. Put it this way, um, if you were to take up carpentry, well, the, you would um, become an apprentice. I don't know what they call them today, but in the good old days, you had to learn your trade and you were an apprentice. And during that time, you were learning carpentry. Understand what I just said? You are, you are learning carpentry, something that you don't presently know much about, but you are learning it. But there comes a day when you've passed all your exams and you no longer are a person learning carpentry. You have become a carpenter. And what you were learning has now become so part of you, they call you what you once were learning, right? That there was a day when I learned to write books and so on. And I, I, it was a very intense course that I was taking because I was taking the course by writing my first book. And that book was written 250 times. But there came a day when the publishing house called me a writer. I was no longer learning to write. I was a writer. I had wand with my uh, writing. Um, you're getting the point, aren't you? That, that you, you become what once you studied. That's this word. You, you learn it until you are comfortable in it. You're accustomed to it. It's not new in the sense of what do I do now? You, you, you've, you've settled in. It's like an old shoe. It, it fits so perfectly. It, it's shaped itself to you. You've entered into it. And, and you now are experiencing and you are doing what you learned. Okay, he said he's learned something. That's what he's talking about here, learned it. He's been taught directly by the Holy Spirit. And, and now it's become him. This is who he is. But then he said what he had learned was a secret. Now, I'm pretty certain that this is the only time this word is used in the New Testament. Um... It, it means things that he had not known. And the implication is you couldn't know. That they, they were things hidden, uh, things concealed, things unseen. All of those words are part of what this word means. Um, but it was also used in, in that day the word was used for initiation into a society. And in that society, they had certain things that they would not reveal to the outside world. You couldn't know them until you were initiated. And it's this word that they used. And so Paul is saying, I am an initiate. I have been introduced into things that I had never known before. I came to understand things that did not arise from my natural wisdom. It's not because I put two and two together. I didn't learn this from my ancestors. I didn't learn this from my parents or in the synagogue. This, this blew my mind. This was something that it was like a whole veil was taken away and sunlight came through a secret. It was a secret, you see, that could only be revealed when you knew that Jesus was Son of God. Jesus, who had died, shed his blood, buried, rose again, and ascended and given the Holy Spirit. And when I know that, and when I've committed my life to that, then that opens up an understanding of life that I've never, ever had before and not uh, couldn't have before. Because it's hidden because it's in Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, you don't know this. This, this is the secret. 
And it's, it's what Jesus said concerning the Holy Spirit. He shall guide you into all truth. Or again, he said, he, the Holy Spirit, shall teach you all things. The Holy Spirit enlightens us. The Holy Spirit takes you by the hand and leads you, guides you, and teaches you. And he teaches you through the scripture, as well as through others who he has taught them through the scripture. So he said, I learned something, something revealed to me. And when, when was that revealed to him? I'm not sure, he doesn't say. It, it could have been that time uh, right after he came to Christ and, and in the years that followed, he went into the desert of Arabia and we don't know what happened there, but he certainly waited on God and he came out with a message that was very, he understood. Um, it could also have been the time that he referred to that we were talking about last week when he was praying for the removal of these thorns, people that harassed him. And instead there was a revelation given to him that he had not seen before, that the grace of God was sufficient in the middle of all trouble. Um, it doesn't have to be sort of, don't, don't think of it like this, that you come to Christ and instantly you know everything and would know this. Um, no, we grow. And as we grow, and as the Word of God is open to us by the Holy Spirit, there it's a continual removal of barriers and old thinking and old ways of looking at things, tearing down of curtains so that more and more and more of the sunlight of God can come in. Uh, this We've all been through this, the times when the Holy Spirit reveals to us what we'd never seen before. Well, the secret that the Holy Spirit revealed to Paul gave him a boldness. Uh, it was a disposition of boldness. That was, It was a heart attitude with which he now faced life. Because he said, because of that secret that had been revealed to him, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can. Now, don't, don't rush over that quickly. Even in English, if you stop to think about it, that's, that, that's a very heavy expression, especially when you're speaking about whatever is coming down the turnpike of life. It's a very, very strong expression to say, I can. There's something final about that, you know, I can. Uh, you, you say to a person, can you do this job? And they look at you with this kind of expression, I can. Uh, and, and you know, okay, end of discussion. They can do it. Paul uses that, I can, I can. Uh, and he speaks of it as a life confession, a life confession, not about one thing, just life. Because the whole context, as we'll see in a minute, is speaking about whatever comes to us in life, whether that comes uh, through circumstances beyond our control, whether it comes from enemies who are trying to upset our lives, whether it comes from governments, uh, however the circumstances of life come, and those circumstances are just are because human beings are living together uh, in, in society. The, whatever it is, and Paul is in these verses, he's facing all of that. He's saying all of life as it comes at me and, and is pushing and pressuring me. He can, it doesn't matter what it is. He said, I can, I can do all things. I, I can handle it. So I say it's a life confession. And, and confession, of course, is an old English word that means, in English it means, to say the same thing as. And, and so to confess in, in Scripture means to say the same thing about you as God is saying about you. That's the word confession. 
con means in Latin with, and fes, it means to with say, say the same thing. And so Paul is saying, I can, I can. I mean, this is a bold proclamation. It sort of rocks the whole book of Philippians. What a statement. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And and so I say he's saying and he's announcing and declaring with his mouth what God says about him. That is, he aligns his mouth and, of course, his thoughts, which produce what comes out of the mouth. He aligns his mouth and the resultant actions to this secret that God has revealed that we'll look at in a second. But I want you to feel this. I can. I can. See, this word can, I can do, those three words, I can do, is a form of a Greek word, uh, iskus, and that is one of the power words of the New Testament. Um, there are others. I'll refer to another one in a moment. But it's a power word. It, it means that you have totality of strength. So it is used even for physical strength, iskus. But it, but it means I have mental strength. I'm not wandering all over the place in my brain. What shall I do? Where shall I go? Confusion, darkness. No, iskus means strength of mind, emotional strength. And, and it also means the, the strength to do God's commands. You don't stand like a deer caught in the headlights looking at the great precipice of God's command and say, I can't do that. Iskus is the strength that says, I can, I can. Um, the, the word means robust. Do, do you know that word, robust? Uh, it, it means you're just bursting with health and life. And, and it means, the word means able. Sometimes you could translate it just as able, I'm able to. It means able to overcome, able to prevail against every difficulty that presents itself to you. Iskus, I can. And, and it's more an attitude word. It's looking at something and saying, I can, I can do it, I can. Um, actually, I found this interesting because I'm a student of words and so I suppose I would, but the, the word king our English word king comes from the word can. In very ancient English, um, the, the word king was more understood as one who can. A king is a canner. He can. And, and the man uh, he became a king because he had proved he can. And no one could stand in front of him. Interesting. That's this word. And what I love about this is he says, I can. I. He's not a robot. You must never think of the Christian life as robotic. It isn't. You're not God's puppet. It's not a hand puppet as if when I say Christ is in you that, you know, you're just moving without any involvement. No, that's the wonder of this that he's speaking about. I can. He, he's fully participating in the strength of God so that he says, I can, I can. That this strength of God has become part of me, like the carpenter stuff. Um, it's, it's now the way I look at life. It's the way I look down the turnpike at what's coming at me. I can. I tell you, it's, it's the New Testament finale of the blessing that was in Psalm 23, if you were with us in that very long series, when, when David at the terrible time he was in his life and he looked into the future and he said even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death then listen 
I will fear no evil for you are with me that's this this is that only this is New Testament and it's all coming to full revelation in Jesus and the Holy Spirit within us that David writing in the Old Testament said it he said even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death though I'm walking into the very belly of hell then he says Paul says I can David says I will fear no evil you are with me it's the same thing uh, every hour of every day is filled with unexpected twists and turns joys unexpected plunging into unexpected problems whatever he says whatever he's going to say that very clearly in a minute whatever he says whatever I can I can so it's an awareness you know, this isn't a man repeating what he heard someone else say. This is not just making up religious stuff to look good in a conversation. This is a man who knows. He has ceased knowing about it. He ceased trying to get the hang of it. He knows. And out of his knowing, he, this awareness, this confidence... This is how he looks at the day when he wakes up in the morning. Whatever today holds, I can. Okay, I'm halfway through and I've just kept hinting at the fact he learned a secret. What was the secret that he had been initiated into? This way of life that was one great wow. Well, we've already half said it. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There you have it. I mean, listen, this is the secret. Paul calls it the great secret of his life, that which he'd never learned from any ancestors. This wasn't passed on through genetic disposition. He had discovered it through the Holy Spirit's teaching I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me now this word strengthen it's another Greek power word that is used all through the New Testament and it's uh, part of it is the word you've heard me use before dunamis so you've got iskus and dunamis dunamis means power it means strength ability well this word strengthen is en dunamis en dunamis which means you are empowered it means you are in enabled it means you are infused with power so that the power of god has become one with you it means to pour strength into so it would mean to invigorate uh, you, you were feeling pretty weak and then you were infused with power you ever seen anybody have a blood transfusion I mean when they seriously needed it and, and as they're infused with the blood you, you watch the parts of their body begin to be restored from pallid white to the pink and the red that it's supposed to be they're, they're being invigorated infused with life that's this word um, actually it's also the word dunamis is translated with God all things are possible that word possible is dunamis and so this word means you've been possibilized all things are possible you've been strong made strong strengthened poured into you I, I used the illustration many years ago and it helped so many people um, to explain this word that um, we in England where we make tea over here you've never really got the hang of it but uh, and my UK friends watching um, you know that's true um, but in England we we warm the pot 
and and then with water that is a rolling bubbling boil not the tepid stuff over here uh, boiling water we we pour it over the tea and then, and in certain parts of England, the word used at that point, um, my mother would say the tea is fusing. Uh, she actually used this word uh, in English, fusing the tea. That is the hot water, the tea is giving its strength into the water. And then we pour out that fused tea water and what comes out, we call that tea. But now, just a moment. The tea, the tea is still in the bottom of the pot. And yet, the strength of the tea has been infused with that hot water to the point where although we know what's coming out of the pot is water, we call it tea because the strength of the tea has now been fused into the water and so now that water enables us to taste and appreciate the tea do you understand that Jesus Christ in his humanity his humanity that has overcome death his humanity that is now seated at the very heart of the Father he has poured out his spirit into us and fused us, fused us, strengthened us with his life. Left for ourselves, we're just water, you see. But he fuses us with his life. Not that we become Jesus any more than the water turned into the tea. The tea is still at the bottom of the pot. But Christ has fused his life into us and we live yet not I it is Christ who lives in me that's what Galatians 2.20 says isn't it I live it's the same I can I live you don't become a puppet you become a human being more alive more you than you've ever been before Yes, you have died, glorious, wonderful death to the flesh, which is independent self, hostile to God. Thank you died with Christ. You were buried with Christ. But now you live. Who's you? You is the real you, not the phony you that was flesh. You live and you're learning how to live. But you live. But it's not you is Christ in you but it is you it is the water it is the tea strengthen fuse together Paul said in this letter of Philippians in the first chapter for me to live is Christ what a statement it's it's what Jesus taught in the vine and the branches that the branch is in in the vine it's a, an organic union and, and the the vine life is sufficient it's enough to to produce all of the blossoms and the leaves and the fruit so that even as you can drink of the tea and taste the tea through the the water being one with the tea so now you taste the grapes because the life of the vine has come through the branches and its union. It, this, is, this is living the Christian life at all levels, not just this one we're particularly looking at. This is the Christian life. It is union with Christ. Being a Christian isn't just believing in an historical Jesus. He is an historical Jesus who made footprints on the sand in Israel 2,000 some years ago yes he was historical but he's alive now and he fuses his life with yours through the Holy Spirit in you and that's true of you I call you forth 
out of dead religion. I call you forth out of a form of godliness that has no power. I call you into this living now union with Christ. He says, I, I discovered that's, that's how you handle life. You, you, you are not defined by the problems that are around you. They don't shape you into who you are. They don't give you a bitter face and an angry heart. Oh, it was what happened to me. It's what she said. It's what he said. No, he says, you are molded and fashioned by Christ in you. He strengthens you. You say, well, if I can do is a power word, iscus, and this is a power word, dunamis, endunamis, what, what's the difference? I'll tell you very little. The, the, the words are almost the same. The only difference, subtle difference, is that this word strengthen is much more the will to actually demonstrate, do the power that you have become aware that is yours, you have access to. It is the will to release that power and strength by moving into action. We, we had to move some very heavy filing cabinets at one time. And um, we, we had a New York City fireman. This is when we lived in New York. New York City fireman. I mean, he was, well, when they put out fires, part of his job was to walk through walls between apartments. Okay, you get the, this man was one great mountain of muscle. And he, he volunteered. He said, I'll come and move the cabinets for you. Uh, and he came early, so we hadn't had a chance to empty the cabinets. And they were steel cabinets. And I'll never forget, I said to him, you, you've come too early. We've got to wait a while while we empty it. And he just smiled. He stood at the door and his whole body just radiated. I can. And he said it. He said, don't bother to enter them. I can do that. Now, he hasn't done anything yet. He stands at the door and he is aware and he's speaking from strength, power. I can. Then he walked across the room, put his enormous arms around the steel cabinet full of files and simply lifted it up to put where we wanted. That was dunamis. That was that I can power in now the will to be released into the doing of it. He says, I, I, I've been strengthened. And he's the world cannot understand. The world can't see it. The, the world, it's concealed to them because the whole secret is in Jesus who died and is risen, ascended, and has given us the Holy Spirit. There's the secret. They don't know anything about it. So I, I, I can't explain that I'm infused with a life that is now my life, but it's a life that is totally by gift. There's never a time when I earn it, deserve it. And to an observer out there, nothing's happened to give them a clue as to where the all strength of God comes from. It's an invisible, it's an unearthly strength that was demonstrated in a heart attitude of content in the middle of everything that was happening and in actions that were obviously from a strength not of this world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's the secret. Now the Amplified New Testament, and please get one if you don't have it, Amplified pulls out these Greek words like I tried to do. And the amplified translation for this verse is, I have strength for all things in Christ or in union with Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. 
get that? This secret that has been taught to him by the Holy Spirit gives to him contentment in every situation. The word content, what does that mean? I think we know what it means when we say that we're content. But let me just pull it out. The word content means to be self-sufficient. Everything's really okay. From my heart, I know it. It's okay. I'm not in need of any outer support. That is, I am strong within myself. I have an inner strength. And that inner strength means I can handle the outer problems. Something is heavy if you don't have the strength to lift it. <laughs> We've got some fellows around here, weightlifters. And um, I, I have many times I've gone to lift something and it's too heavy for me to lift. And one of these chaps come along and they pick it up like it's a bag of feathers. Well, the weight was the same when I tried to lift it when they lifted it. The weight was the same. The difference was the inner strength that they had that I didn't. So you see, nothing changes in the outer world. It depends on the strength within me to say I am content. That which is in me is more than equal to what is pressuring me. So again, the Amplified Bible translates this word, I am content, satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or disquieted. That is, there's no anxiety, there's no worrying and fear. I'm not disquieted because the strength within me is abundantly more than equal to what is coming against me. Nothing can move him. There's no state of panic. There's no feeling that I've been abandoned and that my life's work has come to nothing. And he applies this to the totality of life. That's what I said in the beginning. This is not talking about one specific time. He says, I can do all things. And all things... I mean, it means it in English, everything, all things. But the Greeks had their words. And this word means specifically the whole of it. It means the total sum. That means not one tiny part of life that's left out of this. Whatever the situation is, and within the situation, it's multifaceted problems. Everything's covered by this. And in case you didn't get what he meant, he then lists all the situations that constituted his life. And if we had another hour, we could go through all of these as they happened to Paul. But it, it, the words are enough in themselves. Let me read it again to you as I did in the beginning not that I speak from want for I have learned to be content in and this first of all whatever circumstances I'm in so I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in I know how to get along with humble means that is I, I don't have very much money left over at the end of the day. Maybe nothing left over at the end of the day. I also know how to live in prosperity, which means enough to spare, to give, and still have money left. In any and every circumstance, and that's this word I'm talking about, the whole, the totality, nothing left out. I have learned the secret of being filled 
and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He covers the entire gamut of life. I received a letter, marvelous letter, uh, of someone who spoke of their journey over the last number of years and, and they, 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 they spoke of the tremendous effect of this message of God's love, how it, it transformed them in the beginning, carried them through. But they spoke of, of this, actually, now I'm come to think of it, that their life had its downs and its ups, where, where prosperity and loss and so on, and, and how they were being strengthened in it all. Um, and that, that's our life. This is the blessing, you see. Do you realize, and I'm not a ranting preacher now, I am Malcolm speaking to you. This is the truth. Do you realize there are persons in this country, let alone anywhere else, who are multi-millionaires, they would give everything they have to know contentment and strength to handle life, whatever is happening around them. Because you see, a billion dollars can't buy that. That is being joined to Jesus Christ at my heart through the Holy Spirit. That's the blessing. And could I just quickly throw in did you notice here, he doesn't glorify poverty. That you, you know as well as I do that our ancestors, as far as religion goes, that they have glorified poverty and sickness come to that. Uh, if, if you read the lives of, I mean, they were people of God. I'm not, they, they were, but they got this, well, I won't go into where they got it from. Just the fact is, there was a hundreds of years where poverty, sickness, pain was glorified. God wants you to suffer. Embrace your suffering. Kiss your suffering. And you'll have a wonderful place in heaven. That is not biblical. Not in the Bible. He doesn't glorify but nor does he glorify abundance. That is, he doesn't say that having abundance at all times is a mark of God's blessing. No, he says, the fact is it doesn't matter. The contentment is equal to whatever's happening. And you are carried through and the wonders of God's love performed in your life arise from this contentment, this strength that is within you. Well, these power words, and these two are used throughout the whole of the New Testament, iskus and dunamis and endunamis, but they're always associated with the Holy Spirit. Beginning with Acts chapter 1 verse 8, after the Holy Spirit is come upon you, you shall receive power. The word there is dunamis. And from there on, you look through the scriptures and these, these words that I've explained tonight, they, they are words that are always associated with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit well, put it this way. The Holy Spirit does not bring power as if the Holy Spirit comes with a suitcase labeled power. No, the Holy Spirit is the personal presence of the strength, the strength that is the can-do. He is the one who brings into us the very triumphant life of Jesus to do the will of God was first demonstrated in Jesus. 
He is the one who brings into us the very power of the resurrection, the Holy Spirit. And if we had another hour or two, the Old Testament anticipated where we live since Jesus came. And that is called the New Covenant. The Old Testament is the Old Covenant. Jesus brought the New Covenant. And the Old Testament, filled with its prophets, talked about the coming New Covenant. And they always said that the New Covenant was the covenant of the Holy Spirit. That is, a covenant that wouldn't be a covenant of law... It will be a covenant of the Holy Spirit himself dwelling within us. And when Jesus ascended, he poured out, says Acts 2, the Holy Spirit and plunged his believers into that Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit into them. And when you were born again, you too were placed into that Holy Spirit. For Romans 8 says, if any man has not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, you cannot truly from the heart confess Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It says in Romans 8, you don't even know how to pray except the Holy Spirit teaches you. We live in a strange parenthesis uh, where, where people are A, terrified of the Holy Spirit because of some things they've seen that were allegedly the Holy Spirit. And, and B, we have been taught since the mid-1800s that you only have the Holy Spirit as a second experience reserved for the elite, the kind of cherry on top of the cake. Scrap it! The Holy Spirit is the presence of the Father's love. The Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus in all his fullness. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He's the communicator. He, he's the actualizer, the realizer, who actualizes in you the love of the Father. And there are experiences of the Spirit that will never end. And for many, indeed, there needs to be a release of the Holy Spirit into life, for their denomination has forbidden the Holy Spirit to open his mouth. And so you thought it was only for this person or that person, or maybe not at all. No, you wouldn't be listening to me but for the Holy Spirit. Every time you have the wonder of God's love washed through you, that's the Holy Spirit. Open your heart to him, for he is the one who strengthens. He is unspoken of and yet there's no strengthening without the Holy Spirit there is no iscus without the Holy Spirit and so without giving the Holy Spirit his place in our lives we end up with a gospel that is well it's very interesting beautiful actually but quite irrelevant in the world in which I live because it's only the Holy Spirit that can make it happen in our lives. Okay, that's about all I can say tonight. I, I ask you, open your heart. Just with words, open your heart. Holy Spirit, here I am. Don't be afraid of love. Don't be afraid of God's embracing love. Just open your heart to the Holy Spirit. Ask that he be released to the fullest in your life and bring about in you the strengthening to walk through whatever you're walking through right now, that you'll walk through it in his strength. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings about the wonders, the interventions of God. When in our being strengthened, we are strengthened in faith and we're strengthened in life to see him intervene in the most miraculous ways. But this that I'm speaking of is, this is the blessing. Because you see, he said, not only in days when I'm, what do you call it, humble means, 
when he says uh, going hungry suffering need which is really what I'm talking about these last three weeks but also he says in prosperity in being filled in having abundance did you understand me you if you are having prosperity and abundance and being filled without the Holy Spirit you're in trouble you can't handle that you you know people who enter prosperity in the world uh, and within two or three years they've lost their family they've lost everything because they couldn't handle their prosperity you need the Holy Spirit for good days you need the Holy Spirit to carry you through joy you need the Holy Spirit to be your strength in abundance as well as your strength and your contentment in other days he's the blessing you see in whatever the day I've overspoke <sighs> the blessing of God who is almighty love the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit be yours this day that you shall know you shall learn and become comfortable in the Holy Spirit strengthening you and carrying you triumphantly through all of life's joys abundances and all the valleys of the shadow of death so be blessed I declare it and so it is amen